Hey everyone, this is Caleb. I wanted to give you a quick heads up about the audio quality in this week's episode of Tribal Talk. While Ben's side of the audio sounds as buttery and clear as ever, my side actually came out sounding like a nice pile of hot garbage. So we are really sorry for the inconvenience, but we still wanted to make sure that we published an episode despite the technical difficulties. So without further ado, here is the episode. Hello everyone, my name is Caleb, and I'm Ben, and you are listening to Tribal Talk, a Survivor podcast. Hey, Ben. Hey, Caleb. This week, I thought that we had some really great moments. So I wanted to ask you, what was the funniest moment or line from the episode? What really made you laugh? Oh, Caleb, what a great question. Um, there were several moments that made me smile, but only a couple uh, made me actually laugh. And I got a quick question for you. Um, do evil laughs count? I think so. Okay, good, because I definitely evil laughed um, when Wentworth went to the edge of extinction. That's such a bummer, though. No, but no, it's not. Honestly, it made me so happy. I'm, I've been tired all season long watching her during confessionals take credit for Wardog's plans and um, basically do nothing during any challenges ever. And I didn't really see her at camp at all because we haven't really seen camp life yet. Um, But so far this season, she honestly, to me, had just been an extra vote in Wardog's pocket. So I'm glad to see her go. I really am. The other moment that made me laugh out loud, lol, (laughs) was David during his first tribal council when he is squirming, as Wardog so aptly puts it. And he says, he opens his mouth to say, hey, guys, my brand, honestly, is loyalty. And at the very moment he's mouthing the word loyalty, the entire tribal council guffaws. Everyone just falls over themselves laughing and protesting. And uh, David can't help but just crack his big winning smile and uh, I, I loved that part because David knew that he had betrayed just about everyone he had allied with so far, with the exception of Devin's. I absolutely loved to see that, that real moment from David where we kind of cut through the BS and, and you could see who, you know, he knows, he knows, he's self-aware, right? Sure. So he knew he was trying to sell just a complete lie at that point <laughs> and even after he got voted out he was like hey guys no offense you know i was just i was squirming <laughs> yeah it's kind of weird how now in the last couple seasons of survivor especially all of the people when they get voted off almost have to like take a bow and give a final word and it's a little bit weirder now that we have the edge of extinction because it's not quite the final final word it's just possibly the final word but i thought those moments were good i think would the, you would you would yeah. you rather would you rather have people stand up from uh from the seats 
and ask like Angelina did. Can I can I have your jacket? Oh, give me that every can day. I, can I have your jacket, Natalie? <laughs> Natalie? Natalie, I would take that every <laughs> single tribal. I loved it so much. But um, I think those are some really good moments. I think one of the ones I was a given was when the editors of the episode got in on the action and edited in some like breaking news music for Devin's. <laughs> it was so funny. I thought that was great. Um, oh, yeah. The one that I actually wrote down, though, because I just was... I could see myself in this a little bit, and I think that's why it was so funny. But after David was voted out, and he was on the edge of extinction, they get their message in a bottle, and they each get their own. And Dave is just like, I'm going. And he reads it, and it says something to the effect of, it's in a place where it's hollow, and it's smooth, and jagged. And I, watching from home, was immediately like, oh, it's the rocks. And he went there right away. But what was hilarious was that... Chris and Joe were reading it and were like getting all like spiritual about it and getting yeah. really, really oh, poetic the about it. Are hollow. They're like, hmm, you go there when you're when you're hungry. It must be near where we get the rice every day. And they go up there and they go to the mask because when you're emotionally hollow, you go here because you really want to leave. Dude. Yeah, yeah. And then they go over there and I'm like, Joe, this is this is not a good look for you. We all have kind of accepted that Chris isn't super smart. Not not a dumb guy by any means, yeah. but not the most uh, you know puzzle focused guy. But Joe, I always was like perfectly intelligent guy for sure. Yeah, and this time I was like, sure. ooh, not a good look for yeah. Joe here. But I, I, I got could... I got I got the food I got the food clue. I think I think I think that made sense. Right. Um. But the 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 mast was a complete stretch. He's like jagged, so like the sails are jagged, and I'm just like, no, no, they're not. <laughs> and didn't Joe look absolutely vacant? Like he was just sitting in the done, sand. Uh, he was sitting in the sand, just like pale as he could be, with his mouth just hanging open, while Chris is searching for the for the. I, mean, I was just like, "This is not a good look." for Yeah, David. it really showed what David was saying. In that, David said, "You know, I was just voted out yesterday. I'm still very much mentally in this game." Yeah. And I think Aubrey was too. You know, as soon as she got it, she took off running as well. But everyone else seems to be they're a little more st- lethargic. They're they a bunch be... of undead zombies at this point. Yeah, <laughs> and I get why. You know, um, I think it was Chris, or excuse me, actually I think it was Eric that said that the edge of extinction is the is the great slowdown. Everything goes slowly. Nothing really happens. There's no distractions. You're just there. So I right. think it's really tough for those players to keep their mind in the game because they could come back potentially, but... They all know they're going to be there for another probably seven, eight days before any of them get back in the end. It's really interesting to think about that. The next thing I wanted to talk about was one of the more questionable moves this season, in my opinion. We saw Aurora make the choice to give Ron her extra vote. What did you think about that? So my immediate thought was that I would have played the advantage on Wentworth. I would have used the extra vote yeah, to get Wentworth out. You are so right, yeah. I, I'm really not sure what the move gave her um, if, for instance, she had been voted out. Um, I mean, unless she was doing it as a favor to Ron. Well, she said she was trying to like garner goodwill with it, but here's the thing. There were nine people voting that round, right? Yeah. And the vote ended up being 5-4, right. Kelly and Aurora. Right. But here's the thing, from what Aurora believed, because she wouldn't have given up the vote if she thought that she was safe, she believed it was going to be 5-4, Aurora, Kelly. So I don't know why she didn't just play the vote and then at least force it to a yeah. tie, because here's the thing. 
while Julie especially dislikes Aurora, I think most of those other players, Gavin, Victoria, anyone who was going to vote with Aurora, when they saw that it was going to be a 5-5 split Aurora-Kelly on the revote, mm-hmm. would vote out Kelly. Why wouldn't they, right? She's clearly long-term more threatening than Aurora is. Sure, absolutely. And, and I think, too... What's critically just bad about the move is Aurora doesn't have any big moves yet. Yep. Um, and so she plays that advantage. Boom. She gets credit for the Wentworth blindside because yeah. arguably it may or may not have worked out. Right. Ron was kind of back and forth about the whole thing. But um, but if if she had just, for instance, told Wardog, hey, I have this advantage. We don't need so many votes. Right. And uh, boom, she can she can actually claim credit or at least a large portion of the credit for the Wentworth blindside succeed. Right. So now she's just given someone else who she has very little tie to uh, a huge advantage in the game. So I I did not agree with the move. Um, I, that's not at all what I would have done. I imagine moving on to that uh, Wentworth vote out. Do you think Wardog moved? too soon in getting Wentworth out and eliminating the final returning player. This is probably one of the least complicated answers I've had this entire season. And the answer is yes, he did it too soon. And here's my thought as to why. So even though Kelly, in my opinion, was kind of a passenger in War Dogs trio alliance with him, Kelly and Lauren, she was really going along with whatever he wanted for the most part. I think they did think in a similar way about strategy, who to vote out next. But at the end of the day, if you're getting down to the final five, final four, I think everyone's going to look at Kelly as the final return player as a bigger threat than Wardog. Even if Wardog's resume is pages and pages and pages longer than Kelly's, they're still going to look at her as a return player as more likely to actually have a winning case in the end, right? I say all that to say that Wardog has the option to vote out Kelly at any moment that he deems fit. The only person who probably wouldn't go along with it is Lauren, right? So he decided to go for it now, which on its face isn't a terrible move, but now I don't think anyone sees anyone as a bigger threat than Wardog as far as strategy goes and as far as who has the best case for the million. He is head and shoulders above everyone else. A couple episodes ago, I would have said, you know, Ron's been doing pretty good. Gavin's been doing pretty good. Victoria's been doing pretty good. None of them have really been in the driver's seat for the last couple of votes. So I think Wardog now is the biggest target. I don't think he has a clear path to protect himself in the future. So I think he did it too soon. He should have kept Kelly in front of him as a shield. Okay, so I agree with all the points that you're making. I came to the different conclusion, though, and the main reasons are because, A, Kelly Wentworth had an immunity idol, and B, she was not going to take Wardog to the end. Um, Wardog had made all the strategic decisions so far in their True. Game. So I think his timing was perfect, and the reason is because he had the absolute perfect cover. The fact that it looked too early to Wentworth was the reason that it worked. Wentworth said, actually, during her confessional, just before she was voted out, she said, it doesn't make sense for Wardog to jump ship at this point. And that is while she's watching Wardog talking to other players. I think he was talking to Ron, or at least the edit made it look that way. So if you are moving too early, I think that's a whole lot better than moving too late, right? 
So I agree if, that you like if you have to look at it from a binary point of view where it's either make the move now and risk getting voted out because of it or don't make the move and then never having that move on your resume or possibly it backfiring later. I agree. Typically, you have to opt for the earlier move. I think I, to be clear, I, I think if Kelly did not have an idol, I would have considered the move too early. But since Wentworth had the idol, you have to target someone when they least expect it. And that's exactly what Wardog did. But here's the thing, though. He didn't know that she had it. See, I, I, I was just about to say that. I, I, and I don't know for sure that Wardog did not know. The edit has done some crazy things so far this season. And I'm not saying that Wardog knew about the idol. But either by strategy or dumb luck, to me it doesn't matter. Wardog made the best move this season, eliminating a historic threat and freeing himself to work with other alliances and players. Sure. So I think Wentworth was going to uh, was not going to take Wardog because she knew in a in a final tribal council he could sit there and take credit for every single move that was made. True. And then she, as a returning player, is going to look like what has been deemed this season is a passenger. She's going to look like a total passenger. Now maybe she still would have won, right? Because people can look like they really resent Wardog and he's ticked pretty much everybody off so far this season. Uh <laughs> Wentworth included now. Uh so I I I really don't think Wardog has much of a chance, but there's no telling whether Kelly would have felt that way or not. So um I I want to point out real quickly a couple genius moves on Wardog's part and you um future survivor players take note, okay? So first thing that Wardog did not do that was genius was he didn't go to Julie because Julie has historically blown up the game. He has no idea whether Julie yeah. is interested in a blindside or not. It doesn't matter because she gets super emotional when people start talking about blindsides. So he did not go to Julie. He didn't even consider it according to the episode, according to the edit. Um, he may takes 30 seconds with each of the additional um, tribe members and has a very short discussion with them and shares minimal information. For instance, he didn't say, we're going to pretend it's you, right? Right. Historically bad move, right? That's happened before. He shares absolutely minimal information. He says, hey, we're targeting Kelly. That's it. And they go, okay. <laughs> it was great. Yeah. Exactly. And then thirdly, his timing, he used an easy vote off and he moved too early. I think... Yeah, once again, like you said a couple episodes ago, the quote-unquote easy votes almost always turn into a a cover for a blind side. And we saw that again. So, uh, and then and then finally, he acted perfectly well during Tribal. It looked for all the world. Wentworth had no clue whatsoever, didn't even consider playing her idol. Moving on from there, we've had four idols found this season, Caleb. Believe it or not, four idols Three have been wasted so far, either played incorrectly or flushed on the edge of extinction. Um, last episode, we actually commended Kelly for being so willing to hold on to her idol and not play it. Mm -hmm. Obviously, she held on too long. What can her ally Lauren do to avoid the same mistake? I think that Lauren is in kind of a precarious situation and that's just because she so far this game has been in a very tight three she has and i think that she's been the least influential on that three and that's not to say that lauren is a bad player she's not i think she's actually 
pretty good at the game. The simple fact that no one, to my knowledge, knows that she has an idol now, now that Kelly's mm-hmm. gone. Right. The simple fact that that is still true shows that she's fairly mature and understands how important information is. So I don't want to discount her strategic mindset. However, I do think it is factual to say she has been the least influential. So I think she now has to shift. Absolutely. I do think that she now has to shift at an unusually late point in the game for a player, shift from being, like we've been talking about, from a passenger to a pilot, and she's going to have to drive her own strategy single-handedly going forward. With that in mind, I... I think that she has to figure out a way to increase her knowledge base. I think all the knowledge that she's been getting has been little snippets from other people, but the primary source has been from Kelly and Wardog. And by information, I mean information on who's voting for who, who's tight with who, and things like that. I think she needs to find someone who kind of has an opposite alliance that she did, whether that's Victoria, whether that's Gavin, maybe Rick, now that both of their return player alliances, both of their security blankets are gone, you know, back-to-back votes, maybe they can team up. But she needs to find someone who's going to be getting different information than she's getting, because otherwise she'll be super easy to blindside, and if she doesn't know if she's a vote or not, then she doesn't know whether or not she can effectively play that idol. Without that information, she has no way of knowing whether it's the right time. I think she's definitely willing to roll the dice But the question is, is she going to be the next vote or is it going to be someone else? I don't think that she's going to be the next target, so I think that she's safe. But she needs to start building her resume because, like we've discussed, Wardog has been the driver of their alliance's decisions, and she's been going along with it. She's played a good game, but she has just been going along. I think that she basically just needs to get more information and follow her gut, and there's only a couple more votes. Yeah, so, Caleb, can I tell you something about hidden immunity idols? What's that? The problem, Caleb, with having a hidden immunity idol, if there is such a thing as a problem, um, is that it can give you a false sense of security. Hmm. If you are not careful, you can be completely lulled to sleep by the safety of your hidden idol. This is exactly what happened, if you'll remember, to James the Gravedigger in Survivor China. Two idols, man. He two had two idols, idols, and he felt completely comfortable. Mm-hmm. He kept his. He did not keep his ear to the ground, and he was voted out with both of them. If Wentworth had not had her idol, she would have been playing the game more strategically. She would have tried to be in on whatever blindside was happening, but from her confessional... She literally said, I feel safe going into this next tribal council because I have this immunity idol. So my advice to Lauren is this. Play the game. Especially with Wentworth gone, you are completely vulnerable. And furthermore, I would say, play your idol. If the threat is not on you, fine. Play it on your ally to remove your biggest threat. Yeah. And... Continue not to tell anyone about it, even your ally, but play it before you're voted off. I think Wentworth and Lauren both um, had this vision of using their idols at the very end of the game, at the very last moment that they could. But the problem with that now is Lauren does not have any big moves on her resume. Just like you said, she's been riding Wentworth and Wardog's coattails this entire time. She needs to eliminate someone, and I would say that someone should be Wardog. Yeah. If if she plays the immunity idol on Wardog's next target, tells Wardog's target to vote for Wardog, and she plays it and votes for Wardog, boom, she has a huge, huge blindside on her resume, 
and has revenge for losing her closest ally. Which, by the way, in terms of uh, power playing moves, right, saying, right. I'm the one in control, I think they are kind of tiered. One of them is, you're the one who decided who was going home. The next one is correctly playing an immunity idol on yourself and then ricocheting off the votes and the other person goes home. The most powerful, in my opinion, is when you play it on someone else. Yes. You go balls out, you play it on someone else. And, and that's what this season needs. Yeah, and if she did that, she goes from having a mediocre to non-existent resume to having one of the strongest, especially if Wardog is gone. I think she moves right to the top of the pack up there with maybe Devon's. You know, you know what I think is going to happen, though, instead of that next episode? I think Lauren is going to have one of her little cries. I think I think she's going to get back from from losing her closest ally and not having War Dog anymore and not feeling safe. I think she's going to sit down and just have herself a little cry. I'll tell you this, man. If I was in her position, I can understand grieving what she thought was going to happen because I think that she did feel safe because of the people in her alliance targeting one another. She went from being in the most powerful position, the lesser three, to being really now just another single-person voting block. Let's see, Caleb. The the problem in this game is people perceive their alliance or their group as the power, and that's just not the case. It's you individually. And furthermore, if you do not have enough faith in yourself at this point in the game, then what are you going to tell the people in the final tribal council once you get there? You know, if you haven't had to rely on yourself at all this game, Sure. then you're not going to get a single vote in final tribal council, and you shouldn't. Either she, you know, grows during this this difficulty, or she, you know, sits down, has a nice cry, and then just, you know, prays that she's not the next victim of War Dog's tyrannical reign. Speaking of self-reliance, I think one of the most self-reliant things you can do in Survivor is... Further your game by winning individual immunity challenges. And I Mm -hmm. think that Aurora might actually be the biggest challenge threat that we have at this point. And I wouldn't have said that even a few episodes ago, but she has won two individual immunities. And she claimed close to winning a third. She probably would have won the third had Devin's not had David's advantage from the Edge of Extinction. My question to you is, is this just happenstance that she's been such a strong competitor or is she a legitimate long-term challenge obstacle? I don't know how to evaluate challenge threats this season. Um, it seems like, to me, the people who need it the most are typically finishing in the best positions. So far, since the merge, it's been David, Devins, and Aurora, who are typically finishing near the top. And those are the exact people who don't have strong alliances, right? And they've always felt like they're the next person to go, possibly. And the people who are doing the worst were Julia, Wentworth, War Dog, Julie. Those are the people who um, basically are, are either losing or not even competing. To be clear and to answer the question, I don't think there's a challenge threat this season beyond Joe. I think the threats in this game are strategic threats. His name is Wardog. Oh, uh, let me fix that. Uh, his name is the Wardog. Oh, of course. You don't leave out that definitive article. Oh, yes. Yes. <laughs> 
I tend to agree with you. I will say I think that she's probably one of the most well-rounded in challenges that we've seen so far. She seems to be good at the endurance, you know, doing the the um, the pole squat challenge where they have to balance the vase on there. She was able to outdo everyone else on that. She's been pretty good at the dexterity challenges where she has to roll the ball down and get it to land See. in the divots, right? She's been well-rounded, but here's the thing. Our challenges have been so narrowly focused we haven't seen her in pure endurance and what i mean by that is there's no balance and there's no dexterity it's just pure endurance hold on for as long as you can right uh, we yeah. haven't seen her do that we haven't seen any puzzle finesse we haven't seen pure strength we haven't seen anything like that which brings me to my next question for you which is that this last week we saw another episode with nothing but balance and dexterity challenges that's all that there was do you think that we've seen the end of the eating challenges, the endurance challenges, or the post-merge puzzle challenges? Are those just done? Yeah, I'll answer this question. And then I have another thing to add that just kind of makes me sad about Survivor. And I love the show. But um, yeah, let's talk about the episode. Um, So the sticks and water pail challenge, that's what I'm calling it, the sticks and water pail, um, was a smidge more theatrical and creative than previous post-merge challenges and i understand why you wouldn't want physical challenges at this point uh with everyone on the brink of starvation and injuries basically potentially ruining the game for everyone um but i would like to see more puzzle challenges yeah i think the puzzle challenges would add another dimension to the challenges beyond who wants it the most and who has the most dexterity? Um, Jeffy, please just give us give us a jigsaw. Just give us a little 50-piece jigsaw puzzle and I'll be I'll be very happy. I tend to agree that it does make me sad that they become so narrow in their scope. What really made me think of this is I was rewatching season 23 South Pacific and I was watching mm-hmm. the challenge yeah, where great you had the two tribes having to go up to a roasted hog and they were having to tear off as much meat as they could <laughs> yes. and then they had to go spit it in a bucket, right? And it came down to, I think, a two ounce difference. That was a disgusting disgusting oh, challenge. it was nasty and people said that they you know had they broke um, their teeth and had lacerations in their sounded mouths. sounded terrible but i love those types of challenges because it shows me how bad do you want it and i do like those challenges i want to see how bad you want it i want you to go past your comfort zone from time to time and show me that you really but not always holding up a five pound weight you know not not always just you know staying in this one position for sure, definite sure. But I think the eating challenges in particular, I think had a great little spot on Survivor. And the funny thing in that old season too was that the winner of the challenge, they got to take the meat from the <laughs> challenge back to their tribe, and it was just disgusting meat covered in spit. It was so gross, but oh, they fried it was it so fun. It was so fun, and I want them to bring that back. So I think this is a good place to just stick this statement. Um, but Caleb, this season has been extremely strange to me um we have almost no idea what camp life is like yeah right i don't know who's working hard at camp and who's not i think the edit has removed basically everything about survivor besides the tribal councils and the short period of time for immunity challenges i for one don't like that i like to know what the people are like when they're not playing a game 
right? We are basically watching a bunch of people playing Monopoly or just playing a board game. And I I like to see the culture, right? I like to I like to know something about Fiji, right? I like to learn, you know, what do they like to eat there? You know what? I, I miss that part of Survivor, yeah. and it leaves just a little, just a little hole in my heart. For sure, you know, on that season that I was talking about, season twenty-three, South Pacific, the pacing of the episodes is so different than it is now. And I know that they try to basically take each tribal council and then make a story around it, so that way it makes sense to the viewer. But I think that the Edge of Extinction theme has forced them to shoehorn in so many little moments on the edge of extinction that it's taken away from exactly what you said, camp life. Show me who's annoyed. Show me who is really providing. Show me who is capable of making fire, who's making the shelter. I have no idea what the shelter is like. I don't know. Right. I, I don't either. I can't even picture it in my head. Right. I don't know what's going on. And maybe they don't feel that that's as important now because they've been on Fiji for like six seasons now. I still want to see, you know, are people feeling like the elements are really wearing them down? Have they had any bad storms? We don't know any of this because, like you said, they've had to basically jump from immunity challenge to tribal to immunity challenge to tribal. And in this episode, it was so fast-paced because they did it twice. And I think they tied those two tribals together because it had one over overarching theme, which was the return players were targeted. I understand why they combined them, but I still don't think it did the best that it could have as far as telling a story i'm hoping that when they have these bigger return seasons like season 40 is rumored that it's all winners have you seen that Mm -hmm. yeah so it's rumored that's an all winner season give us hour and a half episodes each week yeah i really hope that that's what it takes to tell the story i hope the story is that compelling i'm worried that we're getting these mediocre episodes because maybe the story this season just isn't as good but i'm not sure Let's go to the edge of extinction, right? So the residents now are uh, Queen Reem, Mama, um, Chris, Aubrey, Joe, Julie, David, and Kelly. Who is your current pick for the returning? And let's make this just short and quick. For me, it's still Joe. And that's just because until I have a reason to think that someone else is a better rounded challenge person, he's going to be my answer. And I know that Aubrey has the advantage and she can practice and that's all great. And I fully expect there to be another advantage, which is a disadvantage that you can play on another player, just uh, like Keith did on Chris last time. I think we'll see that again. But even if they put that on Joe, I still think he's still my pick to win. If I had to bet on someone, it's Joe. What about you? Uh, I agree. I'd I'd say Joe or Aubrey. Um, Mostly wishful thinking on Aubrey's part though she did get a practice advantage um, that you alluded to. But realistically, Joe Anglum is the challenge beast of all time in Survivor. Um, There's no real comparison to him. Um, There's no reason to think that he won't win at this point. So I would love to see Aubrey return because I think she'd have a chance at um, making some moves and, and winning. But I and I don't think Joe does have a realistic shot right. um, to win the game. But those are my picks. Um, so as the game is currently laid out, and this will be our last question here, Caleb, who has the best options moving forward? I find this question really difficult, and that's because I think you have to divide it up into two subcategories. The first subcategory would be who has the best chance of making it to the end, meaning the final three. 
And I think the answer to that is Aurora or Julie. And it's because I think they've both been perceived, whether it's true or not, they've both been perceived as people who are not in control of their emotions. Aurora said this episode that she put her foot in her mouth in the tribal where Julia was voted out. Julie in that exact tribal basically, you know, freaked out and said, I'm jumping ship and ran across the tribal stage, right? And I think they've been perceived as either pilots that don't know where they're going or passengers who are just riding along. So I think that they're going to be looked at as goat contenders from this point forward. So I think their odds of getting to the end, just because their targets are so small, are pretty good. Then the next subcategory is who has the best chance of winning if they do make it to the final three. I think that's a lot easier to answer. Right now, definitely, top dog is the war dog, for sure. He has the most strategic moves. He's been weak sauce in challenges, but who cares? I mean, he was first out for the third time in a row, right? But it doesn't matter. He's made the most big moves by a wide margin at this point. Next in line, I think, is Devins. He can tell a pretty compelling story. He's a good speaker, and he came back from the edge of extinction once. So if he makes yeah. it to the final three, I think he can tell a he's, good story he's there. liked. For mm-hmm. sure. And he's hilarious. I mean, who wouldn't be happy to see Devins win? Even the people who, I think, kind of dislike him because he's blown people's games up, I think can respect why he did that. And then third, currently, I think, is Victoria. And that's just because she has had at least one staple big-time blindside, which in terms of resume right now, I think that she's still number three of the remaining players. What do you think? Who's the favorite for you? So this is a dangerous question for me because I think usually when I answer this question, I end up punching someone's ticket to the edge of extinction. (laughs) Please see uh, David right from last week. That's So, so funny. So I think at this point, here it goes. Sorry. Um... Ron has made the biggest positive impression on the jury and has been very careful about shepherding the outcasts of the group, right? But being Julie and Aurora. Hmm. And I think um, at this point, too, he also has an extra vote and pretty much no enemies. I think Ron is in the best position. I actually just, I had a vision um, while I was watching this last episode. It was, it was, um, it's kind of vague. But um, I think I could hear like coach's voice kind of like putting me in a trance. And I saw just like this vision, right, of Ron sitting at final tribal council flanked by Julie and Aurora. You really think that's possible? I can't explain it, Caleb. I can't explain <laughs> it. But you know what? I'm just as likely to be right as anybody else at this point. So that's I'm going true. with it. I'm going with it. I think if Ron could continue to shepherd Julie and Aurora and they could have uh, a threesome that's strong, I think I think they can make it to the end. In contrast, right, War Dog has made, I'm sorry, <laughs> we keep doing this. Yeah. The War Dog, mm-hmm. in contrast, has made by far the most strategic moves at this point. Uh, probably he has played the most strategic game that I can remember. And he is a huge threat. The problem with that is, of course, everyone knows he needs to go. And he's lost both Lauren and Wentworth at this point, right? Lauren is never going to take him seriously again. If anyone in this game could use an immunity idol to its fullest extent... It's War Dog. It's War Dog. Mm -hmm. The problem is, he'll never find one. 
um, and no one is ever going to give him an advantage. But and that's just kind of a shame because Wardog has been the most entertaining from a strategic standpoint in a very strategic season. So I, I think Wardog, if he makes it to the final tribal, he's going to have a lot of very angry jury members. But with that, I do think we should wrap it up. So thank you all for listening. If you can all leave us a review or some feedback on our page on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher, we would really appreciate that. You can find us on Twitter at Tribal Talk Pod on Twitter or at TribalTalkPod at gmail.com. Feel free to send us some feedback through there. Other than that, we will catch you next time. Thanks, everyone.